I was just going to suggest we make a whole podcast about why Nigel Mansell should have been in a Mario Kart or something well, similar at some point. He, he should have, especially as it's Mario See, Kart. See, already going off on one, so Martin. there's plenty of potential for this. No, I think an even better argument is not which is not do you insert Nigel Mansell into the, into Mario Kart, but it's you are allowed to replace all of the drivers bar one on the grid with Muppets. Which one do you keep as a human and the rest have to be Muppets? Like which which driver and season does that play out funniest I, as? Because I think 2021... I think you, I think you have a bonus part of that and just take the commentators out of it and put those two Muppets that are always up in the rafters commentating on everything as the commentators for... Yeah, no, your Muppets, Timo. No, I've grown up since then. I think I think it'd be funny to have 2021 all of the drivers are Muppets apart from Max Verstappen and then it's oh, no no Yuki Tsunoda what so he's the same height as the Muppets yeah <laughs> no because I think it'd be absolutely hilarious to have what is it Sam the Eagle playing Toto Wolf and smashing a pair of headphones into a table because that would be funny and I think keep I them think, all about the teeth <laughs> I think there's so many different ways you can play this out because but at the end of the day I think it's innately funny that of course Max Verstappen is the world champion he's the only one that's not a Muppet and therefore non-Muppety things fail to befall him it's sort of like when you had Pierce Brosnan in a Muppet sketch and everything is needed to go Muppety around him I think it'd be fun to make Max Verstappen the only human and every other driver team principal is a Muppet. I think it's funny if you simply have the 2021 season, everyone's a Muppet apart from Max Verstappen. Because you then somehow got to have Muppet Michael Massey, which as a concept is just <laughs> innately funny. To be fair, depending on who you ask, you might not need to change too much on that one. Exactly. It's bound to sort of do well as a concept. And equally, depending on which side of the, the staff and Hamilton line you stand, it's still a funny concept because either Max only won the championship because he's racing Muppets or, or it's just kind of funny as Max Verstappen racing Or is the fact that a Muppet was getting that close to beating Max Verstappen. Yeah. And at some point, you've got to have the Ferrari pit crew, which are all going to be um, Beaker at, trying to do pit stops you're going me, 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 I just me, assumed me, those me, would be puppets lying on the ground with no hands in them whatsoever because people have just forgotten to actually do anything with them as per Ferrari no, well, it's, funny. it's funny to have the insane lab assistant trying to do a Ferrari pit stop and that's why it goes wrong you've got to apply the Muppet logic you can't or just you, you keep the Ferrari mechanics because they're already Muppets yeah, that is the other option. Just sort I of... love how strange your face looked whilst you were figuring out how to say that there, anyway. <laughs> it's her thinking face. You just glue felt to the Ferrari mechanics, and there you are, Muppets. I think I, just the concept of it is funny, and I think it needs holding out, but I definitely think that Max Verstappen as a Muppet, everyone else... No, Max Verstappen as human, everyone else as a Muppet is funny. Because at some point... Because every time you have the podium, it's... Max Verstappen, Lewis Hamilton, and insert third Muppet here. Imagine Shaquille O'Neal standing yeah, next somehow, to the, Somehow next to creating Muppet. Muppet Shaquille O'Neal standing next to Muppet Lewis Hamilton, Muppet Sergio Perez, and just Max Verstappen. That, uh, and somehow still being probably taller than everyone else. <laughs> exactly. You can have fun with the concept of Muppet Shaquille O'Neal and simply just make a pair of legs that are lo that are operated from just atop the screen. And that's it. It's just legs moving around. The concept of Muppetizing F1 is funny. And I think McLaren were on something when they did the 
um, Carlos Sainz Lando Norris sort of parting ways That's thing. They were onto something. True. It was proto. It was proto Formula Muppet, and I think that there is. Red Bull have also done that too, haven't they? They had uh, puppets with Verstappen and Ricardo a couple of years back. I think they did. Yeah. Like there's there's genuinely grounds to do it because equally 2021 you've got Russell crashes into Bottas at uh, Imola. Imagine that portrayed by Muppets. <laughs> and which obviously I think is your your protagonist as Hamilton has to be portrayed by Kermit the Frog. Who's Miss Piggy? Christian Horner. <laughs> like the, the, the ultimate diva. The, the, it works, right? Like all the appropriate characters are there. 2021 is just a funny one to do that with. Because somehow you've got to express Max Verstappen angrily arriving back at the pits in Jeddah after binning it on that qualifying lap and bumping and, and seeing his dad and helmet Marco Muppet. Because how would you portray tension with Muppets? I don't have the answer. Timo's zoned out. Timo simply does not care about to. my Muppet concept. Really trying to, not at all. It's just too perfect. 2021 was the last year we had Kimmy as well, so obviously he's Swedish chef, but just conveniently characterised as Finnish chef, and it's just like the same Muppet as Swedish chef, but slightly different. I think that, that, ah, this is too perfect an idea. It's wasted on you two. Wasted. Anyway, um, the Italian Grand Prix. Uh, Let's play the title music and get the podcast on the road. Hello and welcome to the Undercut Podcast. I'm your host, Ellie Mae Taylor. We're back to preview this weekend's Italian Grand Prix. Joining me as ever are the Mario and Luigi to Mayoshi, Jesse Billington and Thibaut Albers Daly. How are you both? Quite excited. I've been thinking very intensely about making <laughs> Formula Formula Muppet recently. So yeah, I'm, I'm, if I'm a little sidetracked through this episode, there's your reason why. Formula Muppet, it would probably be the cold open to this. Now we just have to find out the reasons why you're sidetracked in every other episode of this podcast, and we'll just put it down to Muppets. I'm very well, thank you. I mean, I'm not distracted at all by whatever the hell he's been smoking. How are you? Um, I kind of spent the whole day giddy in the fact that I remembered I saw McFly, and then I've been so giddy that I'm now really tired. So I don't know how well this podcast is going to go because I can't stop you yawning. <laughs> but... <laughs> We'll move on to what the hell has happened. And literally just, F2 have announced that they're about to unveil their 2024 car. Yeah, this sort of came out this afternoon. They went 2024 car unveiling and then also very inconveniently went tomorrow. So we're recording this on Wednesday evening and obviously Thursday is the first day that press and everyone arrives at Monza and it's the last round of Formula 3. Formula 2 is there as well. So it's a perfect point to showcase to Formula 3 what some of its drivers might be driving next year and equally just sort of go... So it's just incredibly annoying for us because we have no clue what they're unveiling. I think the Lara are still making the chassis. No word where the engines are coming from. Um, but yeah, this is this is a great thing because the Formula current Formula 2 chassis is awfully outdated and doesn't really provide that much of a valuable step up towards Formula 1, especially given the leaps that the major series has made in the past few years. It's been very much the same car since 2018, since it was introduced. So that's 
almost it's going to be six years old by the time that it's replaced in 2024 essentially and uh, no word on new engines i think at the moment we're running the mecha chrome v6s which are fine but they have a few reliability issues um but equally next year the cars will be running 100 percent sustainable fuel uh, no word or quite how it's sustainable, where it's coming from, and so on and so forth. I'm going to assume it's coming from P1 Fuels, which are currently the main supplier for the World Rally Championships, I believe. Um, so they've obviously got provenance with producing motorsport sustainable fuels. So we'll see where that truly comes from. But overall, this is a step in the right direction for Formula 2 for modernising it and making it a more relevant step on the sort of ladder we often see Formula 2 drivers coming out of the series into Formula 1. And seeming a bit out of their depth because there is such a huge gulf in technology and what you're expected to understand coming out of Formula 2 and into Formula 1. So fingers crossed this sort of eliminates a bit of that gulf. Should we just film different reactions so that if it's amazing, we'd be like, wow, it's amazing, you've seen it. And then if we haven't, we'll, or if it's terrible, we'll just be like, oh, why have yeah. they done this? We'll, we'll take this two ways. We'll do one to go. So when this releases tomorrow, we should, yeah, we should do this sort of Formula 2 has just released their new chassis and wow, it's amazing. Or Formula 2 has just released their new chassis for 2024. And well, frankly, it looks pants. I don't know why they made it look like a penis. I, we, it, <laughs> that way we've got two takes that I can cut together in the edit tomorrow. So that, that works. Or it'll just be a case of we'll get the office meme of corporate wanting to find the difference between these two pictures and we can't because they're the same picture. That is possibly i don't think that's going to be what's happened that chassis is i hope not because ancient. it'd be really awkward if they do all of this announcement and then it's like oh it's the same what do you do much. we changed the shark fin on the back of it great we've replaced um, it with enzo fittipaldi yeah we've simply taken his teeth and glued one to the back of each of them um anyway uh that's that, that's the formula two news coming out of this really um there is however there is some good yeah some good news head of the Italian Grand Prix, which is kind of nicely timed because a trailer's dropped for the new Michael Mann film, Ferrari. Uh, literally a teaser trailer, very short and sweet, but uh, nice timing, as I say, for this weekend. It comes out in December and is starring Adam Driver, Penelope Cruz. Looks good, I think, from the little bit we've seen. Obviously, Michael Mann knows how to make a film. Biopic focuses on Scuderia as it faces bankruptcy in the wake of Enzo losing his son, Dino, and embarks on tackling the Miglia. So hopefully... It's a bit as well as a kick up the ass for Ferrari in terms of getting that passion going again and they can sort themselves out. Charles has been saying he's looking forward to seeing the car for next year. Fred Vasseur has been on Beyond the Grid saying that hopefully they can do a few things to get back near the front and they're using the last six months of this championship to really go for in 24. So maybe they can have a nice team day out at the cinema all together or probably just have it shown at the factory knowing Ferrari and then it all hopefully comes together but it's a good trailer good film hopefully know, fingers crossed do we know how long a period they're covering over this movie i think it is very this is gonna be sort of 40s 50s centric by look of things it is very much that sort of first time that ferrari goes into the mealy Melia. so that would have been around 1950 something again i don't know my mealy Melia history yeah. so well but i think it's about 50 yeah. 52 somewhere around that point in time so we've got some absolutely fantastic replica Ferraris that have been built up for use in the series. Some of the filming that we've seen has been actual sort of replica Ferraris racing through proper locations. There's none of this sort of CG nonsense. It's been filmed very much with an emphasis on practical effects and with a huge mind to the fact that this is going to be watched by car enthusiasts, by Ferrari fans, and by people who appreciate the history of Ferrari. So they've 
they've had to make sure they've gotten a lot of this very right indeed. And um, yeah, I think it's sort of almost in the in the accuracy it's going for when it comes to vehicle dynamics. They've gone very much down the route of Mad Max Fury Road on the grounds of if we can get a car to do it in real life, good. That way it can be on the film. So we're looking at sort of really accurate portrayals of doing the Mille Miglia, which is a challenging race or that ran for a thousand miles across Italy. It is a, a big challenge for any automobile to attempt in 1950 because it was done on unpaved roads, unmetalled roads. It was cobbled streets. It was dirt and dust and gravel that were making up these circuits. And it's an important part of most Italian brands and certainly part of Ferrari's history as well. So it's I'm excited for it. I, I mentioned it where the, the trailer dropped while I was in the office and I sort of turned to my editor and went, oh, look, the new trailer's dropped. And it was like, team day out in December then. And it comes out for Christmas. So that'll be interesting. Yeah, because I was trying to think, and Enzo passed the mid-50s. And would they have, I again, like you, I don't really know much in relation to Milamelia. Would they have had the same sort of cars as they did with the Le Mans? Because it's still kind of endurance, isn't it? So I believe it's it, very I, similar to that sort of thing. We're looking at like 500 TRs and all that sort of thing. So Dino Fry died in 1956. So I should just point out, Ellie May, you said Enzo died in the 50s there. You meant Dino. Dino died, sorry. Um, so yeah. It's, yeah, it's, it's interesting that they've gone medium. Media because I think Le Mans would have also been equally as interesting because what apart from 1959 they won what from 58 to 65. Yeah, and I, really, I really want to see the Ferrari 250s and 275s. Mm. I mean, obviously, if we're looking into the 50. Period. So, yeah, 1956, spoiler alert for those of you who are going to watch the film, it's obviously aware history. Ferrari won with uh, Castellotti in 56 with a Ferrari 290 Mille Miglia Spider Scaglietti. And then they won the year after that with a 315S with uh, Piero Taruffi. So, I think it, it's looking at the build up to it and the pressure of the team. Because this was the first, this was the first time that Ferrari would have won Mille Miglia since I want to say the early 50s. So they, they think they would have last one around 1953 off the top of my head. So we're looking at like early 250s, 340 Americas. We're looking at some really interesting Ferrari history that's coming to the fore here, including where Ferrari came from. Like they had the 166 was pretty much their first car. And I think that was built as their first road car, at least. And that was built as a competitor for the Mille Miglia. So a lot of their, their engineering mouse came from this and was later applied to more so it'll be it will certainly be interesting to see how this pans out and where they go from there i mean since then the Mille Miglia is still run it's still run using cars from that period and it's pretty much dominated these days by alfa romeo 6c's so they're sort of big 1920s 30s sports tourers but that's by the by we're getting sidetracked from the actual fact of the matter the film's coming out looks fantastic go watch it when it comes out in december other things that are coming soon and this is very much a teaser of it is um i think it's pronounced Kadia. And this is the next location we're set to race in, in Saudi Arabia. It's set to replace Jeddah. Jeddah has always been sort of known for being the temporary street circuit. It looks quite temporary now they've finished building the pit lane bits. Um, but it, yeah, 
this Qadir is where we're supposed to be heading in Saudi Arabia. We're looking at a circuit that is going to be possibly longer than Spa. Um, early renders and graphics of it show it being, again, very much a night race thing, but a huge sprawling circuit similar to Yas Marina. Hopefully it's going to be a bit more entertaining when it comes to actual racing. Um, but equally, it's going to host a the world's largest Six Flags theme park resort, the uh, two other world record settings, roller coasters. There's going to be a large football stadium in there. It's going to be a huge complex that spans out beyond Formula One. And I don't want to go off about Gulf State vanity projects, things like Neon, the line and all that, and the hexagon. Um, but it, it sounds awful. I want to go and find out how awful it is because it's going to be manufactured entertainment in sort of like a Saudi version of centre parks. But yeah, it's interesting to see the development that's coming along with this and the circuit is the crucial thing because I don't even think, I think it's been nailed down the circuit as to what the layout is at this point, but uh, no word as to what it's going to be like to drive. Is it still the case that it it's 2027 that it's opening or 2028, something? Um, I don't know what the date is for it. Um, one graphic for the circuit shows a sort of lazy river going above the circuit on like a glass bit. The details about it are all pretty sketchy. Um, and I thought you were going to say the track is a lazy river and you just have F1 cars bobbing along. Um, <laughs> that would be fantastic i think um someone absolutely sending it up the inside on a rubber ring would be quite funny but i think it's yeah 2027 20, 2028 is when we're looking at actually moving into Kadia and using the circuit there um there's yeah it's uh, i i'm morbidly curious about how well it comes off and we'll see what happens obviously at the moment when it comes to holding races in saudi we're shuffling things around but now they're at the start of the season unfortunately this now collides with ramadan going into the next year there's so something we'll talk about when we sort of look ahead to the 2024 season but it certainly seems to be a part of the world where formula one really wants to sort of keep its claws sunk in and i think they're maybe just going to say yes to whatever monstrosity is put together when it comes to kadia um give it a google have a look at some of the layout bits and looks eh, it yeah i'm less than convinced it's got all sorts of sort of manufactured racing bits with sort of long straights that lead into sharp breaking zones and then sort of tight twisting bits that open up as they go through it's mixed yeah is my general consensus to it and we'll see what it's happens not, it's not an old street circuit it's old not it's a classic circuit. It's probably. not a, a classic uh, road circuit if you're in America or a classic just track in the UK. It's not It's not one of those sort of proper motor racing facilities. And if anything, I've quite grown to like Jeddah. So I don't know why we're now getting rid, having to get rid of it because it's actually provided some decent racing in the past two times. Because it was there. always temporary. Yeah, it was always temporary, but... We just sort of not take it apart. That sounds like more fun. Anyway, we'll move on to looking at the actual Italian Grand Prix and the proper news relating to it and alternate tyre allocation returns for qualifying. Yes, this means that a driver's tyre allocation will be reduced to 11 sets rather than their usual 13, the allocation being four sets of softs, four mediums and three sets of hard. During qualifying, teams will have to use the hards in Q1, mediums in Q2, and softs for Q3. Uh, this was mostly meant to take place in 
Imola, which obviously got called off. So it subsequently happened in Canada, but then we had a wet qualifying, didn't we? So it wasn't, we didn't really get to see this new format in full, full force yet. And I don't know about you guys, but I still back this regardless and I still want to see it in action. I think it could create a little bit of drama. Am I misremembering, or did we just talk about tyres for ages, or did this happen at an actual Grand Prix that we've had? Because I feel like we've had a very similar conversation before. I feel like we had it in Azerbaijan. We were supposed no, no, to have it No, no, more recently. Monza? Well, we're having that in Monza now, but we haven't did done it that yet. Did Spa? Did they use it for Spa? Mm, we had, no, we had Sprint in Spa, so maybe we had tyre chat in that. I don't know. I can't, I've lost track of the many different ways they're trying to get us to use tyres at the moment and also somewhat lost interest. I think that alternate... That Hungary, Hungary, perhaps? Hungary, we had it where they did you did hards, medium, soft because it somehow worked for Alfa Romeo and we had... Because um, Joe fucked it up because he did a very Q5, good yeah. and then binned it immediately. Well, he binned it after he had a brake failure in the... ECU well, I meant cut kind power. of staying in that position high up. He binned that immediately yes. by not starting. Again, that wasn't his choice to bin that, and it wasn't something of his doing. That was his car having. No, but it's the way to remember it. Don't be getting pedantic. That's the way to remember it is correct. And, and it was for a sprint, wasn't it? So it's less. Well, was wasn't a Hungary wasn't a sprint. No, Hungary was just conventional. I think. I yeah, Hungary was conventional. Well, we're going to have to remember things correctly. Did they do it for Austria as well? Because that was a sprint. I don't think they did. Nope. No. Because one of the Austrias was wet anyway. Um, yeah, the Austria Saturday was wet. Anyway, the fact is the alternate tyres back. We'll figure out how it goes through the weekend and see if it actually gives us another interest in qualifying. And if it does, whether or not Joe's car is able to start the race conventionally. Um, speaking of starting races, or certainly starting a Formula One career, rather, Liam Lawson is uh, still in Daniel Ricciardo's place for Monza. Ricciardo's surgery was successful, but obviously it's a bit too soon to put him back in the car. Yeah, pretty much exactly that. And uh, it's nice to see Lawson getting a second chance to fight for an AlphaTauri seat for next year. So he's got two Grand Prix at least now to, to show that. Don't know quite how soon Ricardo's coming back, but it is worth noting that AlphaTauri said that Lawson will remain their second driver until Ricardo does come back. So there won't be yet another driver getting into that second seat. Although now that they've said that, I guess anyone's up for that second seat again to come in at another point if there's potentially a clash with Lawson where he's doing super formula. Um, or you shift us something knowing all the stuff that's going on with, with them and drivers at the moment. Um, but it's nice to see that at least we're getting an idea of who would be best suited for that team for 2024. And it's just Iwasa really who could do some post-season testing maybe in Abu Dhabi that would help settle all of that as much as it can. But it's just essentially, we knew Liam Lawson was probably going to stay there this weekend anyway, and he is. Yeah, I think the only clash that comes up for Liam Lawson and Super Formula is the final two rounds of that, which are back at Suzuka on the 27th through 29th of October, which clashes with the Mexican Grand Prix. So he's basically going to... I don't know whether he's going to prioritise winning his Super Formula Championship, something he can still do despite his um, sort of troubles at Motegi the other week, or whether he's 
going to possibly stick around if he's needed at Alpha Tauri. It's an interesting thing, but equally, this now counts that Alpha Tauri have given at least one of their uh, one, one of their seats an FP1 drive. So they've only got one left to tick off this year, which is kind of fortuitous. Because Nick de Vries. Oh yeah, of course. Nick de Vries did his rookie seat in one uh, because he hadn't done two Grand Prix before he started. So he did that seat, but equally Lawson... And yeah, then no, Lawson's gotten into the same chassis though, so they still haven't had someone replace Sonoda, weirdly. So they still need to get like an Iwasa or someone in to replace Sonoda because of the weird thing, you've got to replace both drivers. This would be something that they've probably spoken to the FIA about and Formula One and gone, we've had two rookies in, but they've both been in the same seat, weirdly enough, different drivers in between. How does that work? And I, I think they should be able to get away with that in reality because they have now offered FP1 drives to two different drivers. Yeah. I think. And I can't imagine Atari wanting to make another seat mould for a different driver. I mean, whoever makes their seat moulds must be really busy right now. Really busy, but also absolutely freaking loaded. Um, <laughs> sort of going, oh, you want to give Iwasa a go? Send him on in, and that'll be another £5,000, probably. I assume that's how much a seat mold is. Um, so, yeah, that's that's quite something. Um, speaking of FP1 drives, though, uh, Felipe Drogovic is set to run for Aston Martin in FP1 against Fernando Alonso. Yes, I think it's interesting that they've decided to let him drive alongside Fernando Alonso. I think... Aston Martin are certainly trying to curtail any comparisons between Dragovic and Stroll here. Um, do you think we'll still be able to compare their times once Stroll's back in FP2? Or I think it makes if, it more difficult, doesn't it? But it does because FP2 you never run the same as you did FP1. FP2 you focus on your long runs, you do a high fuel load, you're more from running the harder tires. The times are a bit slower anyway, but possibly if F. P3 is running similar weather conditions, it'll be a similar time of day. That might be the ones we compare. Obviously, it's not going to be completely perfect. There's still going to be different barometric conditions which do affect F1 cars, especially at high-speed circuits. So going to take whatever we see with a pinch of salt, I think is worth remembering. But if we're able to see performance relative to Alonso, not necessarily performance relative to each other, that's going to be a good marker. The performance against sort of yourself is not really what you're measured on in F1, the performance is against your teammate. That's your closest competitor. And how both drivers across the weekend perform against Alonso is going to be interesting. And we certainly saw that at the start of this year, remember, during uh, pre-season testing, where we had Drogovic in that seat, driving against Alonso pretty competitively. And then we mentioned it a lot in the review episode, which has gone live on Spotify, will go live on YouTube, certainly before this episode comes out. Ellie May and I do talk a, a fair length about the problem of Lance Stroll. And the fact is, I think we came to the conclusion you've got to get rid of him to actually get that team to progress forwards because at the moment he's not performing anywhere close to where he needs to be. Not going to happen, though. It is going to happen because he's going to put his foot down and say, Dad, I'm simply living out your dream. It's going to be like that moment from every straight to VHS Disney film where they go, Dad, this isn't my dream. This is yours. And then he goes off and plays tennis. Um, it, it's going to be that moment. Yeah. Or, Dad, this is this is your dream, not mine. My dream is to own horses. That's usually a Disney film thing. Um, so, yeah, we'll see what happens there. But He has the hair for it, I think. I what, reckon the tennis you know, or horses? 
horses. I reckon, you know, take off the riding hat and then just sort of swoops a bit. And... That is yeah, how they measure jockeys, to be up. fair. They always yeah. look at the hair first rather than anything else, and they decide on that factor alone. So it's bang on. Yeah. He, he would have good riding hat hair, I think, Lance Stroll would. Mm. Yeah, I think that's... I, I have terrible riding hat hair because all it does is clamps down this bit, so I sort of have the world's weirdest mullet at that point. <laughs> um, I mean, other things that are going to make absolutely no difference to performance or anything else for that matter. Ferrari are running a special livery with their return to some yellow patches this weekend, and it's also got additional flashes of black as seen on the Ferrari's 499p hypercar that won the 24 hours of Le Mans early this year. Goes on the helmets, goes on the race suits to get some pretty colours to get all the fans happy. Will it work this weekend and get no. them back on the top of the podium? No, probably no, not. Curse of the special livery, although Carlos Sainz's retro style helmet does look really cool. Um, one, curse of the special livery. Two, the car is pretty atrocious at the moment compared to the competitors. And three, pit stops. Yeah, pit stops. At least there's not a huge chance of rain. Um, which no, you've of- done it. Uh, well, no, the forecast seems pretty good, which leads me into the forecast very much itself. Um, Thursday is looking calm, dry and fairly toasty at 26 degrees Celsius, providing plenty of premium conditions for teams to do setup checks and track walks. Friday is warmer still, but sees an increasing chance of rain and cloud coverage. The same can be said about Saturday. So the first halves of the fetus era's action could again be dented by precipitation. Sunday, though, is going to be dry and 28 degrees Celsius. So hopefully Ferrari won't forget to bring out the wet weather tyres um, or maybe they, they'll remember and simply fit them in dry conditions. We'll wait and see what happens there. But that really like opens up. Yes. Yeah, but they sort of fit the wet weather tyres because they sort of get hotter a bit more and they smoke a lot more for burnouts and skiddy bits. So there's a, there's a logical reason as to why they run on the wet tyres in demonstration bits. It's because they smoke better. Um Anyway, that's not the point. What we're going to move on to is which on-track battle should we look out for? And I'll do this in our our usual way of ascending order through the championship. So we start with the team that has two drivers in 21st and 22nd in a 20-driver championship. It's Alpha Tauri. And I don't think there's really much chance for anything interesting to happen here unless they bleed off all the downforce from that car. Although we did mention on the pre-review episode of the Dutch Grand Prix that um, Alpha Tauri's and Toro Rosso's and Bernardi's do go well at Monza, especially with rookies in them. So we'll wait and see what happens there. Um, we did sort of like to speculate the idea of a Liam Lawson win. I think that was quite a funny concept. Uh, but whether it comes true is yet to be seen. After that, it is off the top of my head. It goes straight to Alfa Romeo, who are, again, going to be hoping for a competitive weekend. But ultimately, this comes down to making the most out of qualifying and then hoping they've got a car that's fast enough to not be overtaken. Haas will be looking for very much the same sort of thing because, of course, they share a power unit with Alfa Romeo. Although, at one point, I think Alfa Romeo managed an on-track overtake against Ferrari. So it's customer team overtaking manufacturer, which wasn't a good look. Uh, Ferrari will be hoping that that doesn't happen again, certainly on home soil. After Haas comes Williams, who had a good form off the summer break and he had a good form coming into it. Whether that's able to continue coming into Monza is a different question, though their car does seem to be a bit of a straight line specialist. So there could be a chance for some more Albon points. They were hoping for a P6 last weekend. They might be able to achieve that this weekend. After them comes Alpine, who had a good haul of points with obviously their Pierre Gasly third place in Zandvoort. Whether they're able to sort of carry that forwards is 
going to be an interesting one. Much like McLaren, straight line speed is not really their advantage on the circuit. Uh, McLaren very much hoping that there's going to be a lot of battles going on through the likes of Curva Grande or through the Ascari chicane or um, Parabolica, where you've got these big high-speed corners where the McLaren is very much in its own element, but certainly not in a straight line. Then comes the tricky subject of how is Ferrari going to do at home? The answer, not very well, most likely. Um, The car didn't seem to be particularly adept around Zandvoort, but hopefully the open spaces of Monza give them a bit more to fight with. Mercedes and Aston Martin are going to be fairly closely entwined, both sharing a power unit. It really comes down to who has the most aggressive setup when it comes to aerodynamics. And then at the top of the tree, it's Red Bull. I think they're pretty indomitable at this point. And I think someone's going to be lucky if they're able to beat Max Verstappen this weekend. You might finally break the Monza curse where you win and then you suffer and then you win and then you suffer. So we'll see what happens there. And crucially, what happens with our predictions poll position? It's a mixed bag from the three of us. I think mixed, semi-mixed, two-thirds mixed. You're the one that's mixed and a little bit on something. I might have had a lot of... Very well played there, anyway. Very well played. I had a lot of coffee at work today. Specifically, doesn't explain it the rest of the time, but do explain your uh, poll prediction. I think Williams are going to go for a really, really streamlined setup, and know that the ground on their car, the floor on their car, now generates the downforce that they need to get through the high-speed corners. The slow-speed corners are going to be a bit of a problem, but they figured they would probably get to that bridge and cross it when they need to. But in between, it's going to be an absolutely rapid car, especially through one lap. So Albon might do all right here in bagger pole position. You two have gone boring and gone for Max Verstappen. Ultimately, it's going to score you points, but you're not going to have quite as much fun through the weekend. I don't know. I've seen the rest of my predictions. I'll still have a bit of fun, I think. This is true. I did look at yours and think that you had simply sort of spun a big wheel with all 20 drivers on it and simply stopped it at several points and gone that, 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 and that. Well, to be fair, now that Bob Barker is no longer with us, someone has to spin that wheel to see what happens. So I feel like that is my duty in life now. Our thoughts and prayers to his family. Um, so you've both gone for Max Verstappen with Paul. I've gone for Alex Albon. The podium, we have all gone for vastly, vastly different things. Uh, the only two drivers to appear regularly are Max Verstappen and Oscar Piastri. Interesting enough. Oh, and Sergio Perez. So why? LMA, explain yourself. Um, Max Verstappen wins, Sergio Perez second, Oscar Piastri third. Um, Max Verstappen because it's Max Verstappen. Sergio Perez because... If you fail to be second in a Red Bull around Monza, uh, I don't know. What hope have you got? That's great for what my prediction because they're both going to be disappointed. <laughs> um, and then Oscar Piastri third. Because Lando Norris can't put, uh, win at Monza. So when it comes to picking a McLaren driver that finishes ahead of him, it's going to be Oscar in this case, I suppose. Sort of yeah, similar to Danny true. Rick finishing well, ahead of him at yeah, for the past, what, both 2022 and 2021, he's been beaten by his McLaren um, teammate at Monza. So, yeah. Lando DNF last year then. At Monza? Yeah, because Ricardo did, because we had to carry his car off the side of the track, he, because he but, won the but, previous year. Oh, yeah. Oh, sorry, I'm thinking of 2020 and 2021. 2020, where Science podiumed and Norris did not do well. And then, yeah. But the argument, the pattern is certainly there to work with. Um, okay, there's interesting thought to yours. Timo, you've put Oscar Piastri in a very different position. 
Yeah, put him in first because he's a quick boy and he's just had not bad luck, but kind of bad luck with how well he's been doing. But it's not quite realizing the potential there. And if he's gonna, there's going to be a Grand Prix where there's going to be something interesting. Please let it be Monza because if Monza's not interesting, then we really have had a really tricky season to try and enjoy. So Oscar Piastri first, why not? That's going to be. It, it seems fitting that it'd be the young gun who's going to be a world champion at some point to be the guy to take a win away from Max and to break his and to stop him from breaking Seb's record. Um, so he's going to win Hamilton in second somehow, and then Sergio Perez third, but he actually keeps it this time because he doesn't speed in the pit lane. Okay, yeah, no, that's fair. Interestingly, do you know why Perez was caught speeding in the pit lane? Because they've still not figured out how to put pit limiters automatically on cars when they come in for them to actually work yet. No, it's because of the different sizes of wet, intermediate and slick tyres that means that you have to slightly adjust your pit limiter and where it comes in on the RPM in each gear, given the size of the wheel, because that affects the actual road speed that's generated. And um, it was unfortunately not adjusted properly to account for the tyre size that the car was running. So the pit lane speed limiter was set slightly too high, which is quite an interesting fact. I didn't know they had essentially three different pit lane speed limiters, which is they should just sort that out. It's so stupid when it happens. They should, but equally, the owner should be on the driver to be in control of their vehicle at all times. All of a sudden, if you start... Oh, yeah, no, I'm saying them in general, drivers, teams, it shouldn't be a problem in the first place. The fact that it keeps happening, you can still speed in the pit lane when you're not meant to be able to. Yeah. It's still silly. But then you slowly edge towards the concept of Formula Tesla, which is just, everything's automated. You just put a person in the car, which isn't quite as fun as Formula Oh, no, because you stop there. End of story. But, Why is Alex um, Elbon winning a race against Max Verstappen? Because I'm bored now. Go on. Um, one, you can't just simply stop with technology. It's very much Pandora's box. Yes, I can. Evolve. And two, Hammer. Alex Albon is winning against Max Verstappen because the speed of that Williams, it sort of ties up with my pole position. Against I a figured... Red Bull, Max Verstappen in a race. Pole yes. position is one thing, a race is quite another. I Look, uh, if it happens... If this comes true, you'll be thanking me for predicting an interesting race and manifesting. I don't think I'll be thanking you for it. I'll be again questioning who's supplying your drugs and how you're getting such things that just shouldn't be on the market. Look, PCP is a magical tool. Have you gone back to the Mario Kart theme in the Alex Alvin's? They're just going to keep blue shelling Max Verstappen until he just can't be in first anymore. Yeah, it's a combination of bullet bills, magic stars, mushrooms, magic mushrooms, and uh, blue shells. Yeah, um, all those sort of things. Um, I've now got the um, when you get like the power up star music running through the back of my head. Carlos Sainz third place that rounds up my podium. Albon Verstappen Sainz in that order, first, second, third. Uh, fastest lap. We'll stick with Carlos Sainz. Timo, that's your choice. You're still sticking with him until still it happens. Carlos Sainz. Uh, Ellie May, Fernando Alonso. Yeah, why not? Fair play. Perfect reasoning, and uh, I'm very much sticking with the Alexander Albon hype train here at this point. Too far gone to do anything about it. Um, world predictions, Timo, you got yours last week. Actually, I was very impressed. What was mine last week? I don't even remember making it. Yours last week was written into the spreadsheet as as over as, 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 as over forty plus overtakes, and we got one hundred eighty six. Fuck me, we got over. <laughs> I genuinely didn't think we'd get over 40. You you really didn't think we'd get over 40. In fact, I have the fun fact, which was um, we had 
over where's the note where's the note where's the note 63 overtakes in lap three alone hmm interesting so if the race had stopped tapped then, into my weird power again yeah hmm. if the race had stopped then you would have still won that point um so are you gonna i'm kind of keeping that? this with what my podium prediction is that helps this as well but i'm still covering myself off even if piastri doesn't win here so this will be the first grand prix of 2023 where a red bull doesn't win and to be honest as much as i'd love piastri I'm really not fussed who it is, as long as it happens. As long as it's not Verstappen or Perez. Well, as they're in Red Bull, yes. Okay. Stands but to reason. A different driver in a Red Bull. Ooh. Well, then we've had a wild weekend. But, you know, we'll just accept it for as it is. Yeah, could we have Lawson bumped up or Sonoda bumped up and all of a sudden Iwasa's got to run No, I think F2 we stick Iwasa in the Red Bull. Just for, for why just not? Just for why say, not? Yeah. That would be the first time since probably like the 60s or 70s since someone's running F1 and F2 in the same weekend. Like I know Jim Clark used to do that. He used to do F1 and F2 at the same time. So it'd be impressive if they do that. Um, Ellie May, your wild prediction. Uh, George Russell outscores both McLarens. Antipathy into... Is this the combined points, is it? or? Uh, I mean that he finishes the race higher in a higher oh, both of them. than the other two drivers. Okay. 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 Not cumulative score. No, no. McLaren simply finishes ahead I of I thought she was McLaren's. being ballsy with that one. I was going to say, <laughs> you're relying on sort of like a, a one and a two pointer for McLaren to at least hope that Russell's ahead of that sort of thing. Otherwise, it quickly adds up. Um, I, meanwhile, have kept with my completely mad thought process of Logan Sargent top eight. I mean, it's not that wild when you think about it. No. Yeah, Max Albon's winning it. Well, no, I'd rather... I I think that's the most believable bit of all of his predictions so far, which the irony being it's in the wild prediction section. You don't think Carlos Sainz could get third place at the Italian Grand Prix? Not with how they're going this year, mate. No. (laughs) Okay. I mean, the fact that you put Carlos there and not Charles is the funny bit there. Yeah, that was the other part. I was like, ah, Charles Badluck's going to carry on. It's going to chase him into Monza. And uh, Sainz is going to finally be the other Ferrari driver that's got onto the podium because at the moment it's uh, not looking great for Sainz and uh, Stroll because they're the only drivers whose teammate, they're the drivers who've had teammates podium and they haven't yet. When you look at all the other teams where they've had one driver on, they've also had the other driver on. Both Alpines are podiumed, both Red Bulls are podiumed, both Mercedes drivers are podiumed, um, but only Charles and Fernando have podiumed, not Sainz and Stroll, which is interesting. Yes, because isn't is Sainz still in the top? Oh, both Alpines are podiumed as well. Yeah, both Alpines are podiumed as well. Yeah, you, it's easy to forget that one, weirdly. Um, is Sainz still in the They're top? They're a forgettable team. Because for ages, it was that he was the only driver in the top five, wasn't it, that scored a podium yet? Um, well, Sainz is still in the top five. He came up into the top five off the back of the Dutch Grand Prix. And again, yeah, still no podium. Hamilton ahead of him, Alonso ahead of them, Perez ahead of them, and Verstappen ahead of him all have podiums. Sainz is the highest place driver with no podiums. Behind him, he's then got Leclerc, Russell, Norris, uh, both of all of them have podiums, and then it's Stroll as the next driver with no podiums. So interesting there. And then obviously behind Stroll, guess, Gasly and Ocon, who both have podiums. The positive spin on it for signs is that consistency is key. 
it does seem to be panning out that way for the boy. He's he's just slowly bagging these points and coming home ahead of Charles, and it's working. Um, yeah, so that's what we think of the Italian Grand Prix that is yet to come this weekend. Um, any final thoughts before we wrap up this week, this podcast? Please let this be an interesting Grand Prix. It feels like at that point we should more really just a plea, it. really. Yeah. It's not more of a thought. It's just a, it's just a plea. It feels like your plea there should have really led into the theme tune from um, was it the Magic School Bus, wasn't it? With Mrs. Frizzle. Please let this be a normal field trip, and then it goes into it. <laughs> Yes, yeah. we're not in your mind, so we're not going to make those kind of leaps and bounds. But, Bear in uh, mind that my, my brain is a, a, a vesicle of all sorts of weird knowledge, hence the reason why I immediately went, ah, the, the, the magic school bus. Surely, surely we could have a reference. Really, May, any bus. final thoughts? I'm just going to cut right across whatever the hell he's going on about now. After that, no. Timo, any final thoughts? Apart from please, oh, I had mine already. Trip. Yeah. Okay. I probably don't deserve any more thoughts. Um, that's all we have time for on this week's episode. So join us again soon when we'll be reviewing the Italian Grand Prix as well as the feeder series action from across the weekend, plus catching up on F2 from the Dutch Grand Prix weekend, which was kind of interesting, kind of not. Um, and also make sure you've liked, subscribed, and got notifications turned on for all of our platforms, Spotify, YouTube, Instagram, TikTok, because we will have content appearing on all of them in the days to come. Timo, where can the people find you? You can find me over on Is It Fast on the Curbs, the Nitro RX podcast, Paddock Sorority, and of course, Instagram. Lots of new stuff, lots of lovely stuff there each and every week. Go and check it out. Wonderful. Ellie May, where can the people find you? You can find me doing the graphics for our Instagram page or uh, running our TikTok account or I will be at Concourse trying to get myself in another car. At least it's static, so you won't get in it and then promptly break it like you did for that poor, poor Arrows at Silverstone. Firstly, it's an Arrows, so it was already broken. They do all right on the classic racing scene. Leave them be. They had like what seven podiums over their course of like three hundred and fifty races. This is historic racing. It's a different bag of kittens. Uh, he was also the last person. I mean, I, I'm still very grateful that I I was in the arrows, but I I'm standing by. I didn't break it. Um. And also, I was offered to sit in the... She's stressing that because if she breaks it, she bought it. And she can't afford that right now. <laughs> to be fair, you could probably well, pick one of those up for a few grand. They're pretty, pretty, pretty I, easy to get hold of. Uh, I was talking to them. There was, uh, the, they were selling, not they, but whoever the... They, the preparer, uh, the team. Preparing the car for. Um, they, the guys also selling... The, his McLaren for two and a half million. Ooh, what McLaren though? I don't know. I don't. We didn't get that far in the conversation before they then started being like, "So what cars? This what engines in this car? Because you're a woman, you must know everything." To be, yeah. Three liter Cosworth double four valve. Obviously, that's what this series is built for. Um, yeah. Anyway, you can hear more about our antics at the Silverstone Grand, uh, not Silverstone Grand Prix, Silverstone Festival on the previous episode to this. It's sort of the first 15 minutes of us chatting about all the wild things we got up to there. And if you want more of me for whatever reason, 
A, I'm sorry, and B, you can find me on Instagram, TikTok, and Twitter as at Jesse on Cars, as well as on YouTube. Um, and you can also find me writing for Classic Car Weekly. There's plenty of interesting bits in there. By the time this comes out, you'll be able to pick up the latest issue, actually, which will have some of my pictures in it from the Silverstone Grand Prix, uh, Silverstone Festival. I think Italian Grand Prix, Silverstone Festival. I'm very tired. Thank you very much for listening. Goodbye.